Hello, welcome to the second edition of the Armchair All-Americans College Basketball Podcast. If you didn't listen to us last week, we'll all do some more introductions. My name is Matt Kishanis. I'm a senior at UNC Chapel Hill. My name is Sachin Mishra. I'm also a senior at the University of North Carolina. My name is Josh McClenney. I am a senior here at UNC. And I'm Nick Coliani, also a senior here at Chapel Hill. So it's a little bit after 9 o'clock on the East Coast, and we just finished watching number 2 UNC go down to number 19 Louisville inside the KFC Yum Center. It was a really tough loss for North Carolina. Neither team played particularly well. Louisville picked it up in the second half. It was a really kind of up-and-down game. Referees uh, made a lot of calls, lots of turnovers. Just a really poor game by the Tar Heels. What do you guys have to say about it? It's a tough loss. That's <laughs> a tough loss. I mean, UNC <laughs> shot 34% and 17% from three, had 17 turnovers. I mean, I mean, I, I want to say that we lost that game for ourselves, but the backcourt was four for 23. So I think that it's probably a cold night, but, but the ice is still firmly gripping Marcus Page. Yeah, it's been about 10 games now, and he just hasn't looked like himself. <laughs> He missed the first couple games of the season, came back in Maryland, and really shot well in that game. And a couple, he shot okay in a couple games after that, but since then he's been really cold. Um, and tonight it really hurt him, as did Joel Berry shooting poorly, Theo Pinson shooting poorly. Really everybody but Justin Jackson and Bryce Johnson didn't bring their A game today. You know, for me, it's just one of those things, it's about time. This Carolina team has not really had many very strong performances once conference season started. Um, so it's about time they lost the game. And, you know, you can't really pick much of a better team to lose to almost in conference. You know, Louisville's a strong team, number 19 in the nation. They're a big team. They're a physical team. The crowd was excited. It's a big crowd. KFC Yum Center is a really, really good atmosphere. Um, you got to put more emphasis on the Yum. <laughs> the Yum. The Yum. The Yum. Yum Center. Um, and, you know, it, it, maybe it'll serve as a wake-up call to Carolina. We can't keep playing this badly, especially going into the meat of their schedule, the tougher part of their schedule. Um, expect to win games. These past couple of weeks, they've won games on sheer just disparity in talent against other teams, and they can't expect to do that going forward. I, I think the biggest thing that cannot happen for UNC is you can't get out-rebounded. We were out-rebounded today, and for a team that's prides itself on its front on its uh, inside game, I mean, you can't you can't lose the rebounding battle. I mean, I know it wasn't a lot, but that that's really what has kept that puts Carolina over the edge on a lot of teams. And I have to say that I have to give big shout outs to Damian Lee, who had a great fucking game or great freaking game today. Um, Twenty four points, five rebounds, and um, just an all around great shooting performance. Eight of twelve from the field, and then four of seven from three. Um, the three ball again, once again, killed Carolina. It seems like a common theme. Well, I mean, they shot 35% from But they, it was 5 of 14. I think it was more, when I was watching the game, yeah, this is the kind of team that really scares me for Carolina headed into March. A very physical, athletic team that can get guys like Kenny Meeks and Bryce Johnson off their game. Uh, Meeks um, only shot four times, had four points, was in foul trouble the whole night. Even Hicks, who we've come to rely on off the bench, two of eight. Um, this is the kind of team that just really worries me. These physical, big-bodied guys and just enough three-point shooting where they don't rely too much on the bigs. And that's the, that's the kind of team Louisville is. they got a bunch of big athletic guys, and Damian Lee and a couple other guys made just enough threes to pull away at the end. But I think if you look at what's causing these open three-pointers, Carolina's not doing a great job of guarding, A, the on-ball screen, and two, the dribble drive. So Louisville guards who get into the lane, 
can not only draw foul trouble from Carolina's bigs, but kick the ball out to wide open three-point shooters. Carolina's got to get a lot better at guarding the dribble drive and at guarding the ball screen if they want to really make a run going forward. The person I want to call out, I need, I'm going to call out Kennedy Meeks. Kennedy Meeks needs to start playing better. I mean, we've already said Marcus Page, but I mean, that's just a shooting slump. You know, he's he's still creating plays, he's still making good passes. I mean, he's still relatively playing still all right. Still defense. But the thing is, is Kennedy Meeks just playing terrible. I mean, I, I don't know how he doesn't play big. He defensively is getting beat, and he doesn't really give us much on offense. In my opinion, Hicks should be starting. Uh, I think Hicks is a better player. He gives us more. And I think today proved that. I think Kennedy definitely looked a step slower defensively. It makes you wonder, is he not yet recovered from that injury? Maybe he's just not 100% right now. Um, I agree it would be an interesting look to see an Isaiah Hicks in there. Maybe he's just not there defensively yet. He's got all the offensive power in the world. He's, he, you know, he's a really good shooter, didn't really show it tonight. Um, he finishes really well, but I'm not sure he has that defensive presence just yet. And I think it would be interesting, since we have all these big men, for Roy Williams to play around with the lineup a little bit more. He knew that Louisville had these athletic big guys who were going to make Meeks and Bryce Johnson work, <coughs> and that potentially Meeks wouldn't be able to keep up with them. So you would have liked to see him maybe make an adjustment, put Hicks in there in the starting lineup, but Meeks gets an early foul in trouble. And, you know, they have a loss now because of it. Well, the lineup I'd actually like to see where we saw in the end of the game where we put a lot of pressure on was when we went small and we went with Bryce, Justin Jackson, Joel Berry, Marcus Page, and Theo Penson. And I know that, you know, we usually have all these big guys and we want to play big, but I think that lineup could cause a lot of problems for a lot of teams. It's a very um, long lineup. Yeah, and so I would I, I don't know if... That's maybe not the answer, but I think that's a good lineup we should probably see more often. Uh, I think it scores. Uh, we can drive a lot more and it has more penetration, better ball movement. It could create a little more chaos, yeah, I think, too. Yeah, I agree. And it'll help us get us on the break, too. I think that's the biggest thing. Is We didn't really see a lot of breaking for this Carolina team. And that's where we, you know that's our bread and butter for a lot of our offense. Um, so the final score is seventy one sixty five. How worried are you guys for the rest of the season, or at least rest of ACC, and then I guess bigger picture the entire season? Um, I would say I'm I'm just I just hope that you know we have a three game road streak, or uh, not road streak, but road away away trip to to South Bend and to Chestnut Hill at Boston College. I mean I don't see that Boston College game posing any problem. I mean they're their leading score on the on the rosters out of the broken hand. They're almost one of their best players for four years. Olivia Hanlon. We just beat him a couple days yeah, ago. Olivia Hanlon, who was really would carry that team like the last four years, is now gone. So I think that Boston College will be fine. Notre Dame has shooters, so those that perimeter defense. It, you know, it's a quick turnaround, five days for them to somehow figure out how to guard. You know all those guys at Notre Dame. I mean they lost Pat Connaughton last year, but Steve Stewart can still hurt us, and Zach August the centers. Pretty good. I mean, he, he put on a show when they came to Chapel Hill last season. So um, definitely something to watch out for. But then the following three games are at home versus Pitt, Duke, and then ranked Miami. Um, I can see, obviously, Duke is going to be a rivalry game. They will show up, even though they are now not in the top 25, which, which is unusual. But first time in Chapel Hill. Um, with miles, miles surprise that they're out. But I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I think if North Carolina comes out, plays solid, and gets a win in South Bend, then you know, you're going to have a loss in a conference like the ACC on the road against Louisville. So if they come out and look like the team 
it's a top five team in the country, yeah. potential Final Four. I think most of the concerns will be gone with just some things that Roy and the guys need to work on. Now, before we get on, sorry, Josh, I know you're going to come up next, but I'm going to circle this game Saturday, February 27th at number nine, Virginia. That's going to be, I think that's going to tell us more about how this team is going to do than this game against away against. Could decide the ACC. Could decide the ACC. And, and going back to that loss, you know, I think it's a wake-up call. Um, like like you said, Mac, it's it's really tough to go undefeated in the ACC. And of all the losses you can take, this isn't necessarily a bad one. And it's still a close loss. Uh, so, you know, they've got two games in, you know, at Notre Dame and at Boston College uh, that hopefully they can take home before they really head into a, a tough part of the schedule where they'll play Duke twice, Miami, Virginia, Syracuse, and NC State. I'm, I'm, I'm actually a little worried. And I'm going to tell you my reasoning for this. If you look at who, we, who UNC has beaten, we haven't really beaten anyone very good. I mean, we beat a UCLA team that's shown that they're not very good anymore. The only good win we have is at home against Maryland. And that every time we've played a team who's a good competition, we've lost. We've lost at Texas. You know, it, it, all these other teams that we talk about, Oklahoma, Kansas, when they, uh, Iowa State even, I mean, when they play big teams, they have won some of these games. And we've only won one, and we've played maybe three. I mean, I feel like for a team that's supposedly a top contender, you should be winning more of these games. What three big games are you? I mean, I did, we've Louisville, Maryland, and then I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm stretching, I guess, UCLA because they were ranked at that so time. So we've won two of those three games. All right, but then we've lost against Texas. I think it's still a big game. I think you have more of an issue with the schedule. We yeah. haven't played enough we teams haven't played enough. Oklahoma exactly. and Kansas, the Big 12, right. they're, they're you're right. each other every We haven't played weeks. enough, but that still scares me that when we have played teams in the ACC that, well, I guess one time, one time, but still, I mean, we just haven't looked very good. Some of these, Even when we've beaten a lot of these bad teams in the ACC, I still don't think we've looked very good. And that's, that is the most, that is what scares me the most. Well, maybe this is an issue then of a Carolina team that plays up or down to its competition. Which I think has been kind of their knack for a couple of years now, that they play to the level of their opponents. But these past few games, I mean, besides the Virginia Tech game, Virginia Tech game, we've been dominating teams. It's, I don't think that's really the main problem. I just think that we just need our players to kind of, kind of start getting to the grooves. I think a lot of times... Like there's plenty I, of time for that. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I, I almost, I'm almost thinking maybe that we have too many players. And the reason being is, is simply you sometimes as a basketball player you need time to just sit in and settle into the game. And if you have so many players coming in and out, you kind of lose rhythm or you, maybe you just don't have enough shots to kind of get back into the groove. And instead of coming, sitting in and building in, you're you're taken out when you might need to get an easy layup now and then. And I think that might be a problem that that just naturally comes with a deep team. Yeah, I think the depth could definitely be a problem when you got guys like Luke May and Kenny Williams who, you know, they probably deserve a couple minutes here and there, but in a big game, you need your, your main guys in there. So we've talked about that a little bit. We're not sounding alarms yet. I think we'd all agree UNC played about as bad as they're ever going to play this year. And Luke will probably play their best defense. I mean, coming home, yeah. they only scored 47 points against Virginia, which I mean, like... Virginia's a good defensive team, and, you know, you're not going to score as much as you normally do playing against them. But, I mean, 47, I mean, at home, in the KFC Dome Center. And I'm I, think, I, I would say that they came back, played great defense, played with great intensity, and then they kind of just neutralized what we had going for us. But I, I would actually put this win more on Virginia's handing them a loss at home. 
But I also think it's more worrying because Louisville played a lot of zone and we couldn't really beat the zone. The zone really hurt us. We, we beat the zone team early in the season. Yeah, the but, zone team but, is Syracuse. But Virginia, Bayheim Virginia is, is going to pull out the zone and Virginia is going to kill I'm sure, I'm sure 20 minutes is Virginia will pull out a zone. Virginia I think, I, 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 I think they're they going to go straight man. I think they will. Oh my gosh. Well, we can discuss that in a couple of weeks. So we kind of mentioned <laughs> Oklahoma and uh, Kansas briefly. Um, in the last podcast, we talked about the upcoming Big 12 SEC Challenge. And so the games have happened. A lot of them are actually really exciting. Um, one particularly pretty surprising score um, in Texas A&M, the Aggies won 72-62. You wouldn't think it by the rank, but I don't think, including uh, a majority Whoa. of us, they think that A&M was going to win this game, but Texas A&M, they looked really good in a big win against a big conference opponent. Uh, they looked real good. And this is, I mean, I was, I'm not going to take a lot of credit for picking them to win. I, I just thought the home court advantage would help. They did lose to, I think it was Arkansas the night. Yeah, which before. is really bizarre. But um, I, this team is good. Um, watching this team, they're really big. They are really, really big. And there's, and there's a couple guys that you should really look out for. Um, the big guy was uh, Tyler Davis, a big center, big freshman center. He, um, he's got a really good body. He's only been playing basketball for a couple years now, but he looks real good. And in that game, he was a big difference. He was a difference maker. And uh, also, I mean, Daniel House stepped up, senior scorer, really picked up the scoring load when uh, Jalen Jones, their main scorer, was just not shooting the ball very well. So uh, this Texas A&M team is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the tournament. That's what I got. Yeah, this was a big win. I came away really impressed with them. I think, like Daniel House, 20 points. Even Jalen Jones, who's their leading scorer, didn't play, didn't shoot the ball well, but still contributed with 14 rebounds. This team's solid. I'm, uh, I still don't know if they can play you know, in a away environment or in a March Madness environment. But for now, I mean, I think they probably are a top-10 team. They showed us they can play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, this is not a joke. Iowa State team, we talked about that a little bit last week. You know, this is a team with a really strong... A really strong core player in Georges Niang, um, but Texas A&M really came out, showed they can play physical basketball and they can play good basketball. The thing I was most impressed with is they can go real big. Like they, uh, they have Alex Caruso who can be their ball handler, and he's six five, and they can play everyone above six five. <laughs> and in college basketball, that is that's that's that's, that's kill. That's killer. I mean, that don't kill teams. So having that option, kill UNC. We have had two six foot guards. Yeah, I mean, well, some teams are just going to shoot over. Over, so having a six-five point of baller like that, and I think a part of this is just Iowa State. They've been through a gauntlet, the Big Twelve, and then they got to go at Texas A&M. They, they, they have one of the toughest. Play West Virginia in the coming up. Yeah, it, it doesn't stop, it doesn't stop for these Big Twelve teams. So another big game, um, one of probably I'd say one of the better games of the year so far. Oklahoma was involved. Oklahoma won 77-75 at LSU. Um, LSU was up for a majority of this game, and up by double digits, I think, at several points at the game. But Buddy Heald and Isaiah Cousins, uh, it's unbelievable what Buddy Heald's doing. He hit like five threes, it seems like, in the last six minutes. Shot over 50% from three. It's incredible. I mean, he's just unstoppable. And then everybody you know, everybody thinks that uh, Buddy Heald's going to get the final shot in the last play of the game. But Isaiah Cousins pulls up just dagger. Had a great game. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out Ryan Spangler had a great game too. Came in with a double double. He's the unsung hero of that team, in my opinion. He stretches the court as a big guy, and he does all the dirty work down low, on defense. Um, I mean, Buddy Hield obviously is the best player on the team, but Ryan Spangler also has, plays a really important role. You know, I think I think LSU has the talent. At the beginning of the season, 
I think, no, it still has the talent to win the SEC. I don't know. Regular season probably belongs to Texas a and We'll see when the tournament comes around. But I, I think I put this loss for LSU. I think that this is all on Johnny Jones. Um, you know, he, I don't think I think that he could have stopped the game after two, you know, two back-to-back threes by Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma. I mean, I think there's really there was really time for. Johnny Jones to call a timeout and you draw a play for Ben Simmons. Yeah. Because when we saw he only had taken two shots for a majority of the game, and then the second half came out, made his next three, but then he kind of tapered off. So I think that coming out of timeouts, you know, ha- if Coach Jones could draw something up for Ben or to draw something for Ben to assist, you know, he, he all, everybody raised, you know, he's a point forward. He's, you know, he's the next, what the NBA is going towards. Well, I don't, I don't, I just think his, his talents are maybe wasted with. Johnny Jones' coaching. Yeah, this game was really frustrating me to watch Simmons because he's so good, he's so talented, and he should be on a team like Kansas or Kentucky, elevating that team. But instead, he's on this LSU team, and he's not even getting the ball in the last five minutes of the game as they lose to a really good team. It's just frustrating to watch a guy with that talent, and it's just the coaching and maybe even his own lack of desire to go for it. I mean, he just completely disappeared in the last five minutes. I think this game is more of a moment of growth for Simmons because this is going to... He has to demand the ball more. When you're the best player on the court, and it's in crunch time, you can't be, you can't watch. You have, you have to get the ball, and that's what Buddy Heel did to put Oklahoma back. I mean, that's just a senior playing, knowing the situation, and taking, putting the team on his back. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, you when you were watching this game, Mac, you were going nuts. You know, he, you know, you're talking about him shying away, but I think purely he's just a guy who, he right now is just going with the offense and. You know, he's he's so efficient. I mean, six for seven, nine rebounds, five assists. He's a, he's a really good team player. But I think it's about time he's got to start stepping up and putting the team yeah. on his back. But at the same time, he had some guys around him who were playing really well. Yeah, Tim Quarterman, did. five for five from three. Antonio Blankley, three for five. At, at what point do you say, I've got to step back and let Tim Quarterman take another three? Because, you know, you want, you want to let the guys who have the hot hand at that moment, you know, take the three-point. You know, LSU, 11 for 23 from beyond the arc. And we're talking about a bad game for Ben Simmons being six for seven from the field with nine rebounds and five assists. Yes, five turnovers, but you know I I think yes, like you said, Nick, he has a lot of growing to do and maybe should demand the ball more. Um, but this is an LSU team that I still think played re- really well and I still think can slide into the NCAA tournament. And maybe I'm not so sure. Thirteen and eight. No, I think they make the tournament. But the thing is, I don't think they go very far. I I don't think their role players will ca- like they kept their role players have not consistently shown that they will show up in teams to help Ben Simmons, and that's what's really killing the LSU team this year. We'll see. I don't see a, I don't see LSU making the tournament, and I see it's frustrating because, like you guys were talking about Simmons, I would like to see him with maybe a better team or a better coach around him because I think he he would have probably the exact same stat line, but he'd have better guys around him and just smarter coaching. And you wouldn't notice as much that he's not getting the ball in those last five minutes. He'd be more part of. He's a guy who would thrive in a team structure, and right now he's kind of placed in this like quasi where he's a part of a team, but they're like you really need to dominate at certain points and it's just that it's not melding in the right way to me he needs to get valentine role from michigan state he needs to be the guy who's going to be bring the ball up for crunch time and he's the one got to be t- like taking all the tough shots i mean you watch that michigan state time that's what valentine does and you know that that's how that's how they've been thriving lately yeah i mean i think he could he could fit in well in that role but i don't think we've we've <coughs> we've seen him take a long jump shot yet that's <laughs> something he's gonna either I think that's something maybe he doesn't have in his arsenal. I mean, what we're 21 games in this season now, and you know that was a, big, a question coming. So if he could hit the three, you know this LSU team could, this LSU team would probably be leading the SEC to be honest. Like if he had three players who could stretch the floor, 
Um, but we'll find out on February 13th when A&M travels to the PMAC. Yeah, that'll be a big game. So OU gets another big win to solidify their number one spot. And then right after that game, we had Kansas-Kentucky at Allen Fieldhouse. Kansas won a big game in overtime, 90-84. Nobody really had Kentucky playing like this. And, you know, we talked about it last week, and I think there's been some articles on Armchair about it. You know, it's not about November and December and January for Cal Party. It's about February and March and so on. And do you guys think this Kentucky team's starting to turn it on at the right time? They didn't get a win, but they played really well. Any given night. Any given night on any given court. You know, Tyler Eulis with a big performance, 11 for 19. Jamal Murray, 6 for 11. Eulis um, played the entire game. The wow. entire game. He's their best player, for mm-hmm. sure. He is by far their best player. Um, and played a very, very talented Kansas team. You know, it'll be interesting going forward, like, Mac, you got to. Is this is this the time now? Have, are they going to pull it together going forward, um, you know, and, and really show the talent that they have? Um, you know, Scalabissier, you know, we, we've heard about him. You know, he's so good. He's so good. Two for three, 14 minutes, you know, four points, that five fouls. Good. You know, that's not the type of performance you need out of that, out of that kind of player if you really want to go forward. Yeah, that's the thing. Their guards played really well in this game, but their big men just – for most of the year, and in this game, just not showing up. Lobisse, five fouls. Marcus Lee, five fouls. Derek Willis, five fouls. Alec Poitras, five fouls. And only one of them got in double figures. They just need more offensive firepower from the big men. When Eulis, Frisco, and Murray, those guys can play. They just need one big man to step up and get close to 10 points every night, and they're not getting it right now. I also want to talk about Kansas. I mean, Wayne Selden had an amazing game. Um, 33 points, 12 for 20 from the field. Um, I, I think also you got to look at this Kansas squad. Uh, Perry Ellis has been their main guy so far this year. And in the beginning, he was uh, in a little bit of foul trouble in the first half. But, man, I mean, Wayne kind of just took over this game and didn't look back. Uh, it was a really good performance. And it kind of shows that Kansas has a lot of guys, too, that can hurt you. And it really showed that, you know, they are a real threat in tournament time, too. And they're just so hard to beat at home. Two, uh, the triple overtime win against Oklahoma. Overtime went against Kentucky. Um, anybody else want to say anything about these Big 12 SEC games? No, I mean, I think that, to be honest, Texas Vanderbilt, I mean, I was, I'm a big fan of Texas. Um, I kind of saw this coming. I mean, like, that 72-58 shows they can play defense over this Vanderbilt squad, which I haven't looked into a lot. Probably is lacking some scoring. But Texas has picked it up in conference play. You know, they got a big win against North Carolina before conference play. And they I mean, that was, that's a win with the asterisk. Yeah. I'll call it a big one. But regardless, they've looked well in the past couple of weeks. And there's a guaranteed five in the Big 12 they are going to make the tournament. And Texas is starting to say, we need to make the tournament. They've looked pretty strong as of late. They just got to play all these other really good teams. You know, an unexpected round of games. You know, we didn't, you know, I didn't even really realize they were playing this round of games, you know, this far in the season. Uh, but what turned out to be a really good weekend yeah. of basketball. I, I think, though, one game that was really surprising was West Virginia going down to Florida. Yeah. I know we haven't talked about that, but uh, they were down pretty much that whole game, and Florida pretty much manhandled yeah. them. I mean, West Virginia losing 17. I mean, I know it's a way to, in a tough place, tough environment. Florida's tough to play at, but for a team who's ranked number nine, supposedly one of the better teams in their division, I mean, or in their conference, you can't, you can't lose like that. And this Florida team really hasn't played very good in the yeah. SEC either, so it was, it was a very big surprise. That could be a big win for Florida as they try to turn around this season and maybe make a run at the tournament. 
So with that said, it was like Josh was saying, it was a fun week of games, which you don't only, don't usually get. And um, this is kind of based off of what Nick said last week about Joel Berry. He might have misspoke, but he said he's one of the most important important point guards in the nation. I still think so. So we thought we would just kind of have a little discussion about who are some of the most important point guards in the country right now. So actually, I'm going to give a shout-out to Sasha on this one. Um, Cat Barber. I'm going to throw his name out there. That NC State team is nowhere. Um, I mean, there's not a very good team, but, <coughs> dude, that guy can ball. As you're saying this right now, NC State's down 10 to FSU, 36-26, and Cat Barber has 12 points at the 26. So. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of how it is. I mean, Cat Barber, literally, Sasha was, is, is absolutely right. I will give you the credit on this one. Cap, this team runs around Cat Barber. It was he's he's impressive, very impressive. He's gonna be the NIT MVP for sure. No question of that. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's a shame. He's he's good. NC State usually hits on one of these guys, and it's a shame that he just doesn't have any help around him. He's he's playing thirty eight minutes per game, so I mean he's got plenty of time to show off his skills. So I think that he's he's six two one ninety. He's that just kind of like he's got that just like that quick athletic. Build with combined with pretty good ball handling. I mean, we found we we saw NC State. We we were watching that game this weekend on ACC Network, and he had this behind the pack, hang up behind the back, split the defender, dribble, and it was just like he did it perfectly, seamlessly. Still moved the ball up the court, kept his head up. I mean, I think that without if you take Cat Barber away, I do not think that this NC State team has a a win. Yeah, no. <laughs> his dribbling ability is incredible. That was what really impressed me most. He he doesn't really shoot lights out, but he just gets in good positions on the court and makes some really good plays. Uh, so i got to give you credit on that one for sure. Yeah, he's definitely carrying the team. Um, one of the guys I'm interested in who's starting to get a little more hype, um, particularly with the NBA draft, Chris Dunn of Providence. Um, Providence is like in the top 15. Coley doesn't like that. He's not even the best player on his team. And I haven't noticed too much about him, but I watched some highlights, looked at some stats. Averaging 17, 7, and 6. And the physical stats are even more impressive. He's 6'4", 220. It's a big boy. He's absolutely massive. Um, and he's played well in big games against Villanova, the other best team in, the, in their conference. They won in overtime at Villanova. 13 points, 14 assists, 4 steals. This guy who can really do it all. I didn't mention he's also averaging 3.2 steals a game. This guy needs a little more love. I'm not saying Providence deserves a little more love, but Chris Dunn definitely deserves he's a little He's a versatile love. player. He can drive, he can shoot, he can post you up. You know, six four two twenty. Imagine that against you know your six one, one ninety point guard. The guy is big and he he can really play. Yeah, he's gonna take over. I think he's gonna take over a game in March Madness. He's gonna single handedly just say, "I'm gonna win this game." I, he's not the best player on his team though. Ben Mental is. I think Ben Mental is forward. He scores more points. Kind of probably means more to the team. I <laughs> did you hear the Chris Dunn stats? <laughs> yeah, I did. That was pretty damn good. 20 and 8, man. yes, but Chris Dunn, 17, 6, and 7 assists. Man, it's pretty solid. <laughs> Nobody's averaging that. Yeah, that's actually. not solid. That's, that's <laughs> great. I'll give you this. Is a, he's, a good, he's a good player. I'm not I'm not going to say that. You can show both Ben Bento and Chris Dunn love. Yeah, you're right. I should say I, they should both get love, but I don't know. I think he's good. I think he's real good, but still. And one other guy I just wanted to quickly mention wanna. is uh, Yogi Farrell at Indiana. In, um, we caught a game last week um, against Wisconsin at Wisconsin. They actually lost the game in overtime, but it would have been overtime if it wasn't for Yogi Ferrell. He had some big threes. This guy, he's been there for four years. He's been on some really good teams. This is one of the lesser teams he's been on. 
and he's just played really well this year, and he's been fun. To, he's been really fun to watch as well. I'll show some love for Wayne Selden Jr. Uh, the Roxbury, Massachusetts, Kansas Jayhawk. Um, you know, he had that big game, obviously, against Kentucky this past week, playing all but one minute, 12 for 20 from the field, 3 for 5 from 3, 33 points, 3 rebounds, 2 steals. Um, effectively took over that game for Kansas and has proved all year that he is, you know, just one of the better, not only point guards in the country, but one of the better players in the country. All right, so before we finish, we're just going to preview a couple upcoming games for this week. We have number 14, West Virginia, and number 13, Iowa State, on Tuesday. Both coming off somewhat surprising SEC losses. Who do you guys have here? I don't know. Yang has got a foot issue. We saw him injure that against uh, Iowa State. And then Jamel McKay, I think that's his name, McKay, the center, he's got hip tendonitis. And, you know, obviously it's going to be hard for him as a big man to seal out and box out. With his hip bothering him, but I mean, he's very long, very rangy. I don't know. It's gonna be a tough call, but I will take. I will take at home. I will take. I you know I take Iowa State at home. It's I think they, they, they got a good. They have a good crowd there, in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I think they've beaten. I think both Oklahoma and Kansas there. It's it's really tough to play there. Oh, I actually think West Virginia gets it done. I think they come out and win. I'm, uh, I just think this team is gonna put it together. Sorry. I think they get it done. I think West Virginia is certainly a tough matchup for Iowa State. They're scrappy, a little bit mouthy, they're physical. And I think as long as Jordan Yang is healthy enough to go, as well as McKay, um, Iowa State finds a way to get it done at home. Like we said, tough environment and a very talented team. Another quick one, number three, Villanova, and number 11, Providence on Saturday. Um, one quick stat that I just thought was interesting on Nova that I researched. So they've won the Big East the past two years, but they've lost in the third round. Both times they were number one seed last year, number two seed the year before. To be fair, they lost to Con- Connecticut two years ago. That was still that's probably a bad loss, even though they did win the championship. And then you have they lost to NC State last year. So bear that in mind, Villanova. Take your one seed, take your two seed. I'm not picking you in March, and I'm not picking you for this game. I'm picking I'm, Providence. No, as far I, as I, that. I don't even know why they're third. I really don't even know why. I still think I think Providence wins this game. Um, and I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, Nova, to me, hasn't shown me that they're a four seed uh, or any number one seeds. To, so uh, I got to go. I got to go Providence. I, I agree. It's a little bit puzzling that this Nova team is, is really that high ranked. Um, whereas I think Providence, you know, with Chris Dunn, one of the better point guards in the nation. And Benzel as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Throw him in there. Give him some love. Um, I think Providence is just going to run away with this one. I think Coach Cooley... He's, he's going to keep it cool. <laughs> he's gonna get, they're going to get the win. Um, against, I think it's just a Villanova squad that, that benefits from an easy schedule and not much competition in the Big East. I mean, now we're seeing, obviously we see that. We see one or two teams every year. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's, the same old, you know, it's the same old track that's going to be run. You're, they're going to be good during the regular season, can be talked about, and then ultimately fizzle out. All right, and then one more quick game on Saturday and what could be one of the few top 25 matchups in the SEC. We have number 25 South Carolina headed to number 8 Texas A&M. Who do you guys got? They play basketball at South Carolina? I, I, I don't think Frank Martin's got anything cooking in, uh, in Columbia. In Columbia. They can't even host tournament games in there but you can look that up on yourself as to why they can't but I mean I don't think I think this is the South Carolina squad is honestly, I think, one of the teams outside of the, the football schools that kind of play basketball, like Arkansas, Ole Miss. I think the South Carolina team is probably the biggest weight on the SEC. If you had a South Carolina team 
that wasn't doing well, and then maybe you maybe had like an Ole Miss that was lower top twenty-five rank. I would put the SEC higher ranking as a conference. So I don't think South Carolina has played a good schedule, and I don't even think they've played the meat of their SEC schedule. You you just got to look at South Carolina's marquee win away at Clemson. That's all you need to know. <laughs> they, but they provided Vanderbilt too. I mean, Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt's like eleven and nine. <laughs> No, I don't think this is a match. I think Texas A&M um, probably beats South Carolina pretty handily. I understand why they're ranked. They're 19-2. and two. It makes sense. Um, but I, I'm not saying they're a top 25 team in the nation. Uh, I agree. I'm just throwing stuff just to piss people off. But <laughs> A&M is definitely going to get this win. And I, I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. Not even a... You know, it'll be an easy win, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think the Aggies take it as much as I hate to say. Although it. they did lose to Arkansas, you know, <laughs> a couple days before they played uh, Iowa State, so we'll see. All right, that's all we have for you guys this week. Thanks for listening. Um, hit us on Twitter or Armchair Americans or wherever if you want us to talk about anything else or you just want to connect with us in some way. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week.